I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. And Illinois has won three straight football games. And we keep checking off these first, the first time since 2007. They have won three straight Big Ten games. First time since 2010. They've been 500 or better in the Big Ten since 2010. If I had to pick out a GIF, Isaac Trotter, for what is happening with Illinois football, if we want to do our Twitter thing here, it'd be the Jim Halper, what is going on? Like, what is going on right now? This is not Illinois football we're used to. It feels like we're in an alternate universe, right? I mean, this is this is super weird, and now Illinois football is 5-4 and four in, as we head into a huge, huge game next week against Michigan State, and all of a sudden, some momentum has started to happen. It's amazing what one game can do for a program, and we wanted a breakthrough kind of game this year, and we got it when Illinois upset Wisconsin 24-23, and they have done everything that we wanted them to do, which was beat Purdue next, and then take care of Rutgers they've set themselves up it feels weird I'm, I'm trying now to think what GIF I would use oh you say GIF instead oh, of GIF um, right. no I'm kind of with you if the, if the person who created GIF right. says GIF we should probably call it GIF it's like I found out I'm doing a story on Andres Felice his name is Andreas Felice not Andres. And there's actually, what do you call the, the hash over the E? There's actually that in his name, even though the university doesn't do it. So I feel like I need to call him Andreas Felice, not Andres Felice. If that's how he pronounces it. I'm sorry. I'm just really lazy. So I'm just going to say Andres Felice because that's easy. So uh, that, that's just how it's going to be. So are we Jif then? Are I'm, we Jif I'm, I'm team Jif. I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this, but it's okay. I'm just going to accept it because that's how I've always said it and I'm not going to change. This is fantastic to start off a post-game win podcast, which we have now done three straight. When we come back, we're going to break down standouts from this game. We're going to break down the ugly moments of the first half where Illini fans are going into a very, very dark corner. And we are, by the end of this thing, going to rank the bowl destinations for Illinois. Do you feel like we can do that? Is it is it getting too far ahead? Are we jinxing i don't believe in curses as billy bob thornton said in friday night lights ain't no curses he said he told that to mike winchell i believe in that so we're going to start thinking about it because we can i'm uh, completely on board with that there are no such thing as curses illinois has a great chance to win one and maybe two of their next three games i think they should be competitive in all three there's let's rank bowl games who cares no one cares you're not going to sue us if, if they don't do it by the way the score was 38 to 10 it wasn't even close after the third quarter flurry by illinois When we come back, let's break down what happened and what this team has turned into. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Three straight wins, and it's all been keyed by Lovey Smith's identity, Isaac Trotter. This is Lovey Ball to a T. This is team takeaway. I saw Chin Coleman. He had a shirt that said Press U on it. Illinois is takeaway U uh, for football. It's amazing what they're doing. Eight takeaways the last three games, and they've scored 52 points off that. Put that together, 8 divided by 56, it's just over 6 points per. So they've had 7 touchdowns, 3 of them defensively, 2 today, 1 by Nate Hobbs on a fumble forced by Isaiah Gay, 1 Dele Harding pick 6, you had the Tony Adams pick 6 last week against Purdue, and you've gotten 1 field goal. Not only are they taking the ball away, Isaac, they and the offense are scoring after it. This is all Lovey Smith has ever preached, and it is finally being seen on, on the football field. It was funny because Stanley Green said in the postgame press conference, he, he was saying, finally, it finally happened. I mean, we've been working on it for three or four years. It's about time some of these things started to come to fruition, and now they're starting to put it together, and it's a complete it, it, wait, game changer. Isn't, isn't that exactly like, – that's a great quote for just the Lovey Smith era. Right. Finally, we've been telling us this is going to happen, and this is what it's going to be, and maybe we weren't patient enough. Maybe the rest of us weren't patient enough knowing how long it would be, but at 2-4, you're like, okay, when is this going to happen? And boy, in a flurry, we've seen it. And it kind of snuck up on you, too, because after 2-4, and four, we weren't expecting this at all. We were, I mean, it's 28 nothing to Michigan, too, in, in that sixth game of the season, and we're all riding this whole ship off. And so now it's, it's completely back on track, and now Illinois has a re- really legitimate chance. So the identity defensively has changed this team. The defense has taken that needed step forward that we absolutely talked about throughout all the offseason, and we'll get into the standouts later. But I think it was really, really interesting how Isaiah Gay was the one that sparked this one today, a guy that we've been really, really hard after because he had been not been very good for 23 games in a row and and just some of these guys that for so long had just not lived up to these expectations just like lovey hasn't lived up to these expectations and now they're clicking at just the right time and illinois has a ton of momentum heading into the final stretch of this season you know we've talked about takeaways this team actually has been pretty good at what they have 14 interceptions last year they had a bunch of forced fumbles the year before so they've actually been taking the ball away since lovey got here but they're cashing in on them now plus their defense has been disciplined. Their gap responsibilities, like they only give up 271 yards of Purdue. I know that I know the conditions, but even Wisconsin, you only give up 420 yards. It wasn't 420 rushing yards by itself, right? Like, and then today against Rutgers, they had some chunks in the first half, but in the second half, you just completely shut them down for the most part, especially with the takeaways. So, not only are you getting takeaways and taking advantage of them, but you just played more sound football. What was the longest play Rutgers had? The touchdown, the passing touchdown. Yeah. I mean, they aren't giving up these long plays. I think that shows a lot about the linebackers and the secondary. They've been much more sure in their tackle. Those huge plays were the things that kept Nebraska in the game while Illinois was, you know, cashing in on some of those turnovers like they did against Nebraska. But those big plays, we saw those chunks against against Illinois, against Nebraska. We saw the chunks against Eastern Michigan. And, and now this defense has cleaned things up. I thought today's defensive performance was especially key because Jamal Woods wasn't playing and Wale Batiku wasn't playing. And you could argue those are two of their top three defensive linemen. And it also means that the depth that they have, especially at defensive end, was so tough because now you can't rotate guys in as much. And now instead of the backups being Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney, two juniors, now you're talking about the backup is Keith Randolph, who is a freshman who's playing in his third career game. So that type of performance defensively, especially in that second half, and even at times throughout the first half, I mean, take away that one score touchdown drive, they held them to three points in the first half. They did, for the most part, everything they needed to do. But that was especially impressive because Woods and Batiku are so important, and those injuries look 
look like they'll be back pretty soon. It seemed like they, Illinois goes, yeah, we can get away with it today against Rutgers, and they were able to. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the game, they take a 10-0 lead, and you're thinking, okay, it's not perfect football, but they'll kind of run away with this. But then the defense gave up these long drives, and the offense couldn't get going behind Brandon Peters. But you get one great run by Brandon Peters. He keeps it finally, right? They finally had a keeper because Rutgers, as most teams have against Illinois, and you saw it against Purdue, they crash on these running backs. They're like, hey, if we stop Dre Brown and Reggie Corbin, we can stop this team. Maybe we have to stop Bebe, right? But without Ricky Smalling and without uh, Trayvon Sidney, the receivers haven't been as good. Uh, Donnie Navarro had a big catch, which was fantastic to see. But Brandon Peters has that one run, sets up Dre Brown's second touchdown of the game, and the defense gets one takeaway. They score, and boy, everything just gets easier for the offense. They can just play complimentary football rather than have to score 40 points and have that pressure on them like they had earlier in the season. It's really impressive because at one point, Illinois scored two touchdowns in the span of 99 seconds and then they had 28 points in a span of about 10 minutes of game time. It's just absurd, the flurry that came on late. And the complimentary football is big, and we could talk about the defense setting up the offense, but I also thought the special teams set up the, the everything else today as well because Blake Hayes had a couple monster punts, and it, it set everything up. I mean, Blake Hayes has a 55-yard punt, then they had the 15-yard penalty after, or, yeah, 15-yard penalty after that that made a, basically a 70-yard play there pushes Rutgers deep into their own uh, into their own 5-yard line. Defense gets a 3 and out, offense scores. And that's kind of what that's the complimentary football. That's what bull teams do and Illinois is starting to look like it. Well, and when you talk about Lovey Smith's defense taking the ball away, the one thing the offense has definitely done great these last 3 games, they've only coughed it up once. One turnover over the last, like and I know Brandon Peters People get on him. He's missing some assignments. The blitzes, I don't think, are just his fault. The receivers are struggling to get open. Uh, the offensive line had, had a bad play on one of them. But I, I get it. I get the frustration and the inconsistency of Brandon Peters. But the one thing he has done the last three games and the offense has done the last three games, they've taken care of the ball. So when you have a plus seven in the turnover margin – that's what you, sometimes you have to do as an offense, especially with a Lovey Smith defense. This is Ohio State defense type of good, right? Illinois and, and Ohio State are going back and forth for the lead at turnover margin in the Big Ten. Anytime you go up on a good stat with Ohio State. They don't State, have a Chase Young, but yeah, right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but anytime you go up against that, that's really impressive that Illinois is able to kind of hold serve with, with an Ohio State defense that's really, really good. So I think what you're starting to see, Illinois offensively, we know what their, we know what their DNA is. They want to run the football. We saw that last year. But now defensively, defensively they've caught up with their mantra with what they want to do and they're and they're competing at a high level right now defensively yeah and uh, they're kind of a ball control offense and when you have a takeaway defense you can kind of play that style and I will give Brandon Peters this he made two big throws I mean Josh and Matt Torbebe uh, the one to the one to uh, Donnie Navarro was a little bit underthrown it went into the wind but Donnie made a hell of a catch on it but those are two big plays and that's all you need if you can take care of the ball you can run the ball you just need a few big plays down the field and Brandon made a couple can we have a GoFundMe account set up for Donnie Navarro's scholarship (laughs) because he probably deserves one I get that we've been really really generous with Bobby Roundtree but it's time for that too but no you're right the two big plays were huge those two throws were big. Then the run, obviously, was really huge. And I think that was a good play call, too, by Rod Smith. And it was funny to talk to Brandon afterwards because it looked he kind of starts looking back at, like, the 13-yard line, then the 11. He looks back again at the 3-yard line. He's looking back one more time. He was absolutely gassed after that. But just showing that on film, the way that they showed that on film against Purdue – 
really helped, helped you win that game. The way they've shown that now against Rutgers really helped that game. And against a Michigan State defensive line that's going to be really good. And against an Iowa defensive line that's going to be really good. And against a Northwestern defense that's really solid. You're going to need Brandon Peters to tuck it and run and keep the ball in his hands without fumbling. That's really, really huge. We can go off on Brandon Peters for about the, you know, not picking up the blitzes and not seeing down the field. And sometimes he gets so locked in on a wide receiver. But for the most part, he's given you 13 touchdowns this year and four interceptions. That's pretty much everything you could have asked for from your Illinois quarterback this season. And to be honest with you, the schedule they have ahead. I mean, th- think of the teams that they have ahead. Michigan State is going to be a tough opponent. Listen, they're 4-4, four and four, but their last three losses are all the top ten opponents, right? But they are not scoring. They have 17 points over the last three games. Again, those are great defenses, but they struggle to score. So you get a couple takeaways, you can win. Iowa's offense has not been very good this year, especially running the football. And then we know Northwestern. They have been absolutely atrocious over the last – what, they got 45 points against six big uh, Power 5 teams so far. This sets up well, – like this style of play that you have right now, defense wins the takeaway battle, offense takes care of the ball, gets enough plays that can win every one of those games. Uh, now, if they'll win, everyone will see, but – I think they're going to make a bowl game with the way they're playing right now. I, I think Illinois should be a double-digit underdog next week against Michigan State. That, that, I'd right. say about eight, yeah. seven, something like that. But I think ten is probably could, what the line might start out as. And it'll be fair, and I will completely understand it. But there's no reason why Illinois can't play with any of these teams at all. And now I get, now you look in, in the past, I mean, Michigan State's offense put up 40 against Indiana. They put up 31 against Northwestern. So they're not incapable. So this defense will have to play well, but offensively, Illinois should be in fine shape to be able to hang with this type of offense that Michigan State's going to trot out. Illinois will absolutely have a chance to win. And at the beginning of the year, I did not expect that to even be in, in, in the discussion, let alone happen. No, it's not going to be like Rutgers said. It's not going to be that easy. Purdue, you got it at a good time, right? And that those conditions favored you. But Brandon Peters is going to have to make some plays, but he did against Wisconsin. So they've shown the capability of, of winning these type of games. That's, those are, the game against Michigan and the game against Wisconsin give me confidence that this Illinois offense will find a way to score on some of these three defenses that they play in the future. Because Michigan and Wisconsin's defenses are probably better than the three you're going to play the rest of the season. And you still put up 25 against Michigan with a backup quarterback and 24 against Wisconsin. Sure, you got some help. Sure, the turnovers helped and everything. And, and that's that's what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, I still expect this Illinois team to put up over 20 against the rest of the three teams that they play, and if their defense can hold it and get these takeaways, they could be in good shape to pick up one or two more wins. Yeah, of course, they've won three straight, so if they continue doing what they're doing, they'll win more games, but it's just the style of play is complement each other really well. And the confidence. I think there's a really big thing here. These guys, for so long, for so many years, have, you know, they've all been saying the right things. Oh, we're close, we're close, we're close. But now you can see it on the field. Now you're getting success, and I think that breeds confidence, and now you're seeing guys lock into what I know I'm supposed to do my job I'm going to do my job and he's going to do his job and we're all going to stay in our gaps defensively and and that's breeding success well you saw confidence against Wisconsin team nobody thought they could beat you saw confidence going to Purdue that hey we can beat the team who blew us out on homecoming last year and you saw confidence when they're 10-10 at halftime that we can crush this team still while so many Illini fans like I I looked at you at Twitter and said uh, what is going on like I get the frustration of being 10-10 but so many people were already set themselves for a loss and I, I we can't get, have nice things we can't have yeah, nice things I get it based on where you've been from but I was just kind of like okay they'll come out in the second half we'll see how they respond they've done they've been a second half team so I quietly especially that they're playing Rutgers had some confidence that they would be fine and, and that's weird but it's 
kind of accrued over the last couple of weeks that I think this is a solid team. I, I don't think this is a mirage of what we're seeing. So even when they were 10-10, I felt like, okay, they'll come out in the second half. We'll see how they respond. If it's a game in the fourth quarter, that's when you start to worry. But I, I kind of had quiet confidence in that first half. And I, I was looking at you kind of saying the same thing in the first half. Yeah, I think we were on the same page. I think the big thing that I was thinking at halftime was all Illinois needs is really one play. We knew they were one play away. And then on the first offensive play they go of the second half that they have, they go 54 yards. And then you go – all right, now we got it under control. And so after that point, and then you have the right after that two-yard touchdown run by Dre Brown, Nate Hobbs gets a 36-yard recovery, and then it's and then it's a two-touchdown game, and it's over. It's over. All right, let's break down the standouts when we come back. Some fantastic play, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sometimes you write a story and it all works out for you. And uh, Isaac Trotter timed with the Dele Harding story really well. He didn't get my star of the game because I wanted to focus on a guy that hasn't gotten uh, as much focus. But Dele Harding, fantastic. 12 tackles, two for loss, an interception, his second pick six of the year. Got that one late to just put uh, you know a stamp on it. And, yeah, he had a forced fumble as well. He's got six takeaways so far this year, three forced fumbles, three interceptions. Leads the Big Ten in tackles with 105. Jay Hansen deservedly has gotten a lot of credit this year, but those two linebackers are playing like Lovey Smith linebackers in their takeaways. They've been the most consistent defenders throughout the year, along with Jamal Milan. Both those guys, Jake and uh, Dele, are deserving of all Big Ten consideration right now. Can I say it? I was on the linebackers are <laughs> decent trained way earlier. I, in case any of you don't know, I would have been given a lot of grief throughout the, t- the last maybe six to eight months for being the Illinois football linebackers beat writer. Yeah, you know Miles Smith, great relationship right? right especially after he blocks me on twitter that's great uh, i don't know why but yeah so i i wrote all about these linebackers and i kept saying in training camp it's the spring and then in the fall i was like these linebackers look decent i think they might be okay and daily harding and 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 jake hansen have been really really good so far this year i think i think still in pass coverage i still have some questions about some of these teams because they haven't played i mean obviously purdue with the with the weather was bad i mean wisconsin obviously not a great passing quarterback there and then rutgers i was playing chase crouch at quarterback basically so they haven't had to really be tested in pass coverage the last three weeks but they are so so good against the run and they do everything that lovey smith wants his linebackers to do with taking the ball away and daily was great today and the good news in the big 10 the rest of the schedule we have there's not many passing teams, so I, I think they're set up pretty well. I mean, they, they are so good in the box. Defensive line didn't start off great in this game. I thought both uh, sides of the line of scrimmage really started off struggling, but how good is it to see Isaiah Gay, who we saw during training camp, and he just barely did anything. He barely did anything for the first couple um, weeks of the season. The last 28 games that he has played, he had one sack. No forced fumbles. Today, gets that strip sack, uh, forces a fumble, but he also had several plays at the line of scrimmage. Had two pass breakups. One, he ran into the quarterback and forced a, a third down incompletion. That's the Isaiah Gay we thought we saw the first couple games that he played in his career. And through a suspension, 
through injuries, finally we're starting to see it all click for Isaiah Gay. Because I thought he'd shown flashes the last couple games, and he played over Owen Carney a lot today. We saw Keith Randolph get in the game. I don't know if Carney was banged up, but they needed that performance out of Isaiah Gay, especially with Wooly Batiku. And if he, talking to him after the game, and I'm going to write a story on him, he's got a lot of confidence right now. So I wonder what a little confidence and a little playing time and a little bit of production can do for him moving forward. And maturity. For so long, I mean, you all think about the the game one that he had and the game two that he had where, as a true freshman, he was 17 years old at that point. He is still just turned 20, so he's a young junior in college. And now that you're a junior, and he he crushes it in the weight room with with Lou Hernandez. So he's always had the talent. He's always had the skill. We see those little sparks of, oh, oh, there's an Isaiah Gay moment. This is an Isaiah Gay game. And if you can get that type of version of Isaiah Gay moving forward and pair that with Wallace, pair that with Ayo Shagbanyo, who you know is going to play really, really hard, you're looking at a defensive end group that could start putting things together. And we all love the future and the upside of Seth Coleman and the future and the upside of Keith Randolph. But if those guys don't have to play a big role for not only this year, but also next year, where those guys don't have to do a lot, and they can just focus on understanding the game and learning football because they haven't played a lot of football and just getting so much bigger and stronger, because Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay and Wale Batiku and Ayo Shagbanyo can take those reps – that's a huge thing for the long-term future of this program because now you can have, you know, heading into what would that be, 2021, with those three guys being able, or two guys being able to play defensive end with three years of eligibility remaining. Yeah, nice game for Isaiah Gay, so that was really good to see. I mean, I thought Milo Leifler played well. Stanley Green's just given a lot of um, stability at the back end. He had a forced fumble as well. Jamal Moan continues to eat people. I mean, defensively, we could go through this. What were Blake Hayes' final stats? Uh, what, what a performance this guy's having. I'm, I'm telling you, if there are any all-Big Ten writers, he, he is the first-team punter. It is amazing what he does to flip the field. Five punts, 227 yards, 55 along. I thought it went 70, but two uh, inside the 20. He's been fantastic. I think you also got to give a shout-out to Donnie Navarro, which we did earlier. Joshy Matorbebe uh, looked like – I mean, that was the right call based on the rule. Kind of, the law. Yeah, kind of like what was it, the World Series? with the, the Yeah, <laughs> Trey Turner on the inside. I, don't get me started on that. I hate that, that rule, but yeah. by rule – yeah, it is. Uh, I, I don't like that Calvin Johnson rule, though it helped my Bears back in the day. But, yeah, he didn't complete the process or whatever it was. But he comes back, makes the big catch. Uh, Dre Brown had a couple touchdowns. Good to see him. I thought Rayvon Bonner ran pretty well as well. But they were keying on those running backs. So uh, any other standouts you want to hit on from this game? I, I thought defensively that that's – Nate Hobbs. Got, got to say it, the guy who's led the Nate Hobbs train – People keep going, when does he make big plays? Well, he hasn't. Teams don't test him a lot. And Isaiah Gay really made the play there. But you saw what Nate Hobbs brings athletically. I mean, he ran through a tackle there. Plus, he finished that run. You saw the speed that he has. He needs those things for for the next level. He's a really good Big Ten corner. And the coaches will tell you he's played really well this year. But to have big plays like that, he finally broke through with that one. For sure. And, that, and that's exactly what Lovey Smith has been preaching about and telling him about and on him about. So it was good to see that. You say, have you seen any other standouts? Not really. I think that Sidney Brown played a pretty fine today. Five tackles, didn't really do anything else. But he's just stabilized that safety group so much more. And you talked about it earlier. We were kind of talking back and forth during the game. His film has been so much better. We're both on the same page about that. I, I tried to watch some of the second stringers when they got in, and none really stood out to me. I was looking at that offensive line, especially 
especially Virtus Brown. That's one of the people that I think is really important for the future here because you're going to need an offensive lineman next year to step up and step in for him. I didn't really see a ton from him, but overall, I mean, we touched on all of them. And Matt Bebe was a, another stud catch. So moving forward now, you did what you not got to do. Now let's go get one more. Uh, a couple second stringers stood out to me. One, we saw Karan Taylor on the field. Nice to see him. Two rushes for 11 yards. I thought Chase Brown had a really good run. I, I'm sorry. I watched his film. I think he could be really good. Uh, so with Reggie Corbin gone next year, with um, Dre Brown gone next year, I, I think Chase Brown's going to play a big role. Poor Connor Lilly oh, no. came two times so close to a touchdown. And I agree with Lovey Smith not going for another time. Don't have to run up the score, but they tried to score Connor Lillig, the walk-on. So close, Connor, so close. He dove for the end zone, and you just feel like you just like, get an inch more, inch more, maybe an inch and a half. But, yeah, no, he was just short. I agree with you, though, on this running back depth for the future. Chase Brown is going to be pretty solid. If Mike Epstein, I'm not, I mean, we're not counting on him to be anything next year, but Jakari Norwood, I think, has a really high future. Kenyon Sims has done a decent things that we've seen in training camp. So I know that Reggie's going to be gone. I know that Dre Brown's going to be gone, and those are huge losses. I'm not trying to, you know, dismount and discount anything that those guys do, but I think Illinois has recruited running backs well enough because Nick Fidanzo is a guy that we both like. You're bringing in Reggie Love. I think the long-term health of that running back room is still really, really good, and they're in good hands with Mike Bellamy. All right, I have six bowls that are possible for Illinois. I do not have the citrus. I do not have some of those because I know that we can sit there and say, hey, the West is still in play here, and it is for Illinois if they went out and Minnesota loses some games. But I, I got six possible bowls that we're going to rank when we come back because it's time to start thinking about this. Lovey's talking about bowl game. We're going to talk about bowl games next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, there are six bowls I have listed. The Holiday in San Diego. Pinstripe in New York, both those on December 27th. Quick Lane in Detroit on December 26th, the day after Christmas. Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, January 4th. The Red Box Bowl in San Francisco, December 30th. And the Music City Bowl in Nashville on December 30th. I'm going to pick my number one, due to the destination, and due mostly towards the timing of it. Um, it's after the holidays, but it gives you enough days to spend with the family and before a holiday that I don't celebrate much anymore because I got two kids under three years old. The Music City Bowl in Nashville. We can go to 24 7 headquarters, tell them all about Illinois sports. That would be my destination. Drivable, easy to get to for fans, but still a great destination where you can have lots of fun. Don't disagree. I'm a, a whole, whole 100% on board. Nashville is one of my favorite cities. I mean, if I'm doing like my top five to ten cities in, in the U.S., Nashville's probably in my top three or four. I love wow. that city. Denver is one of them up there, too. So, yeah, there, that's number one. I almost put the Holiday Bowl ahead of it, but I'm going with it, too, because, I mean, it's San Diego. That'd be gorgeous, December 27th. It'd be awesome. I wouldn't have to worry about snow at all. But it's a really long way away. You're talking about long flight, expensive flight, all of those different things. Yeah, it'd take a big chunk out of the Inquirer budget. But I do have the Holiday Bowl at number two. San Diego's a great city. Number three, this would take a huge chunk out of 
under our budget. But again, I love the date. I do like the destination, though Illinois' last bowl game was at the same destination. You're big on the date here. <laughs> yes, really it's huge for me. Uh, but December 30th, the Red Box Bowl in San Francisco. That is a really uh, great city as well. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, I just... The other ones I, I kind of like, but you know the weather in San Francisco is going to be pretty nice uh, even in December because it's pretty moderate temperature. So here's where we disagree. I'd like the Armed Forces Bowl to be third here. Fort Worth is nice. I, th- I like Texas. I have Great fam- date, right. January 4th. January 4th. <laughs> I have family down in Texas, so that would be nice to maybe go down there and possibly move o- over and see them. So I think it would work. And also Armed Forces Bowl means you get to possibly play Navy, who's interesting. Um, our Air Force is an interesting, fun team that could play against. Like I think those would be kind of fun. I haven't even put opponent into this, so I haven't broke down the conferences of the other ones. I do have Armed Forces Bowl four. Uh, easy flight. You can get one from Champaign to Dallas. Uh, you can get one from Chicago to Dallas, St. Louis to Dallas. Pretty cheap, pretty easy. And again, love that date, January 4th. Illinois kind of be on an island a little bit. Um, and uh, you can get your holidays in and then have enjoy a bowl game. Uh, I do think bowl practice coverage would be interesting with these December 30th. It's okay. I'll tell my family I don't need to be at anything at all, and I'll just go to a bull practice that we won't be able to see more than 30 minutes of. Number five, this would be a great, cool venue, but it's an open-air press box from what I understand. Absolutely not a fan. No chance. And I'm sorry. I think the city... Is great to go see. There's a lot of things to see. But the Pinstripe Bowl in New York City is a guy who grew up on a farm, is a guy who went to the University of Illinois that's kind of spread out, right? I, it's just so condensed in New York City. I feel claustrophobic. It's cool to see. There's a lot of cool things to see. Go see some shows, but it's expensive. It's December 27th, so I got Pinstripe in New York, number five. We are on the exact same track about number five here, just because the open-air press box, ain't, I ain't about that life. I, I really not. It's also going to be extremely bitter cold at that point, too. If I'm going to a bowl game, I want to go somewhere warm and nice. So those are my ba- big two things. I, I, I would like to go to New York. I haven't actually been there yet, but it would be, it'd be fun, I guess. You need to go. I mean, there's right. really cool things to see. Like, the 9-11 Memorial is fantastic. Yeah. The museum but is can fantastic. I do that another time? Right? Yes. Like, that's that's kind of my thing, too. Take your future wife, like, right. during the holidays. That'd there be really go. cool. Uh, number six. This actually would work out because it'd be really cheap for us to, to go cover it. Um, it's a day trip if we want it to be, though I think Bulls, we should do it. But quick lane in Detroit on December 26th, sorry. Tremors from the last time they were there. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine with going. I'm, I'm fine with going. It'd be fine. It'd be covering a bowl game. So I said before the season, I'll take quick lane in Detroit. I'll take it. But I'd just rather have a different one. Yeah, if we're picking, if we get to pick, I'm going to pick Texas and Fort Worth or, or San Diego. The good news is is Nebraska losing today might mean Illinois is rising up here because if Nebraska doesn't make a bowl game, the Big Ten is not going to fill uh, okay, so all who would of it. Be? It would be Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, Michigan State should make a bowl game yeah. based on their Iowa schedule. Iowa going to make one. Iowa will make a bowl game. Minnesota's gotten in. Uh, but we were ta- doing the math beforehand. Be like eight. Yeah, there can only be eight teams, and there's nine Big Ten bowl games. So um, Illinois, obviously, very, very close to doing it now. they got to take care of some business. But I'll take all those destinations. I haven't covered a bowl game yet on this beat. I could have. Uh, in 2014, but I was just covering for radio. Yeah, I was going to say, how does it feel, though, to be on a beat for 10 years and not cover one? Well, I mean, I, I could have gone to these. It's just I was doing radio, and right. that was more important than the website stuff. So uh, I didn't go to the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl, okay. um, but I 
could have if I, if I wanted to. So um, that would be rank the Bulls there. Um, I think we had a pretty good list. I think you can't go wrong with Nashville and San Diego 1 and 2. Like, you just can't. So if people get angry about that, I'm going to be very surprised. Yeah, because San Francisco and Fort Worth, like Fort Worth's easy. It's Texas. You can enjoy Dallas a little bit. January 4th. Yeah, In New York, I think people might have higher on their list. They might. I just – I've done it. No, no thanks. I haven't done it, and I still don't want to do it. And if I can't go to, like, like, I've been to Yankee Stadium, I've been to a baseball game there, I'd rather be in New York in the summer, right, where you can enjoy the outdoors a little bit more. I guess it would be the holidays, so you can enjoy Central Park with, like, Christmas lights and stuff like that. It would that, be but. really gorgeous. Here's the thing. I'm not going to get picky just for this <laughs> thing. I'm not going to get picky. Let's just go to a bowl game. Let's figure it out. And then later afterward we can go, hey, maybe we should have gone to Nashville. Well, and bowl practices are so important. Yeah. Fifteen more practices with these young players um, and just what it would mean for recruiting. I mean, we're seeing there Wesley Bailey down there. I didn't see him with my own eyes, but I was told Antonio Doyle was here, the four-star linebacker, um, talking with some of these recruits. Asking about this win streak, they say, boy, it, it shows what they're doing, that they're actually turning the program around like they're saying. So this would just be monstrous. If, if Illinois gets to four in a row, go six and four with a chance to win out and go eight and four, or just a chance to go seven and five or something like that, that's where you feel like these staff's relationships, Lovey Smith and what his – uh, I guess, you know, the cachet he has, right? Like the Washington Post, uh, does, John Feinstein does an interview with Lovey Smith because they've won two games in a row. They're four and four, and the Washington Post is doing a story on it. It's because it's Lovey Smith. Chicago, they will take more interest in Illinois football because Lovey Smith is your head coach. That was Josh Whitman's plan all along. Plus, he, he respects the man, knew the man would uh, be credible and, and bring some stability to the program, but. The plan is finally coming to fruition, and if they can get through to that bowl game, I, I wonder how much recruiting actually takes off. Completely agree. And I asked Lovey that, how does it change for you if you were able to, you know, now you're starting to see success. And he said, recruits for so long would say, oh, that we love you guys. We love the coaching staff. We love the area. We love the, 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 the camaraderie here. But you don't have a product on the field that's good, and you don't have facilities that are all that good. Well, now you got the facilities taken care of with a beautiful $80 million facility. Now the product on the field is kind of getting taken care of a little bit. You need one or two more, but you're, you're getting there. And think about it. Last year you are able to get Isaiah Williams, Marquez Beeson, Shimon Cooper, Keith Randolph, Mozart Paula. All those guys are probably going to redshirt. And Seth Coleman, who's a top 300 guy by 24-7 sports, all those guys were able to redshirt likely this year. Keith's at three. Seth's at three. They want, even Lovey said we want a redshirt Seth, so that's why we played Keith today. They're being really smart about that. What if you have wins? I mean, what, what could you add to that? Who could you add to that? Would Mookie Cooper be on board, man? I don't think he's going to change, but could Michelin you? Michelin St. John maybe reconsider. But, you know what I mean? I'm talking about 2021. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those top kids could you get coming off a bowl game, going to another one the next year? It would be, it would be massive. And even those bowl practices, think about this, guys. This entire offense is basically back next year. Take out the running backs, you substitute all your other running backs in, but your quarterback is back. Your wide receivers are back. Four of your five offensive linemen are back. Defensively, you lose a linebacker and a safety and a couple defensive tackles, but you got your defensive ends all back, got two of your linebackers back, including your best player in Jake Hansen. You get your most of your secondary back that you kind of like now that you've got it set. This is a chance for Illinois to really increase their ceiling for next year. I mean, the plan all along was for Illinois to maybe get six or to get six and maybe get seven. Next year was the year you go eight, nine, right? Well, if you get seven this year, 
now you're looking at next year going, why can't Illinois go 8-4? Why can't we four? do what Minnesota's doing sure. right right now? All right, great stuff. Illini Enquirer podcast. A lot more fun after these post games when uh, Illinois is winning. And, boy, three in a row makes you think, man, they could go up to East Lansing and get four in a row. A game most of us probably thought, eh, probably not have any chance of winning. I still saw ESPN's FPI had them at 12%. I wonder how much that's changed. You know, they're coming off three straight losses, again, to top ten opponents. But as Lovey Smith said, the biggest game of his tenure. And that's what we've said after every win. Every win makes the next game that much more important because the significance of every game now matters. And if you just got out of here with a win with Rutgers, it would have been great. With that dominant third into the fourth quarter, just gave you a lot of good feelings going into the final stretch here. I'll see you there in, in East Lansing. It should be fun. The fourth quarter starts, as Lovey Smith says, and it's an interesting one, the most interesting November for Illinois football in a long time. Thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Stay tuned to our website. We'll have a lot of great content. i got a column coming up. Isaac's going to have a fantastic story on Dre Brown. Looking forward to that. I'll have something on Isaiah Gay as well. If you want to sign up, you can get $1 for your first month of VIP access or 30% off for an entire year. Give us a chance. Uh, you can always uh, cancel your subscription within the first seven days, but I think you'll like it when you give us a chance. Plus, we got a lot of basketball stuff coming up. Andre Corbello commits. Can Adam Miller be next? It's an interesting time. It's a, it's an optimistic time for Illini fans right now, and we'll cover it at IlliniInquire.com. Talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.